0: Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Eyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Eyer. Hi, this is Pat Eyer, and this is Writing to Get Business. Our show is focused on authors who have written books, and I brought with me today Jan Spence, who is the author of a book and somebody who I met through the National Speakers Association, the Florida chapter. Jan and I have been getting to know each other, and when she told me about her book, I thought she would be a perfect person to have on the show. Welcome to the show, Jan.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Pat. I'm looking forward to sharing with your listeners. Appreciate
0: Let's go back, Jan, to where you were in your business and in your mindset at the time that you decided to write your first book. Tell me, what gave you the idea to put together your book?
1: Thank you for asking that. I think my situation might be a little bit unique because I knew knew that I wanted to write a book. I knew that that would give me credibility as a professional speaker. It would also give me an opportunity to have a product to sell to people that wanted to take a little more of me with them after they had seen me present. Mine actually came out of my TEDx talk. So I was chosen to give a TEDx talk uh, two years ago. And out of that, I decided, you know what, I think that's the content for my book. There are nuggets there are ideas, there are tips that I can pull out of the TEDx talk that I can share with the world. So that's where the idea came from. It was, and it was actually a recommendation from another speaker that said, rather than writing the big story, the big book first, why don't you just write a tips book, go through the experience, learn the process, get it out of you, and then you can write your big story later. So that's how it came to be.
0: When you were involved with being a TEDx speaker, was that an arduous process to go through in terms of being selected
1: to be part of that that experience? No, it was simple. I just applied once and was chosen. I am joking. (laughs) I had multiple, multiple applications applications to many different TEDx opportunities before I was finally selected to audition. So for some folks who may be familiar or not with the process, they screen everyone through an application process, each program is different. And oftentimes you are requested to actually go and audition live. So luckily it was in my own home state, but I went and I auditioned. They liked what I had to say. I got some laughs. I had a unique story and that was appealing enough for them to invite me to actually be one of the presenters. So Yes, it was a crazy time. Actually, what I ended up presenting on was very different from what I auditioned, the content that I auditioned, because they picked up on a story of mine, and they were more interested in hearing more about that. So it involved hiring a coach, crafting it, going around to colleges, rotary clubs, many places to present it, practice it, get feedback. It was a ton of work, but well worth it.
0: I had a coach for a year who told me that he spent literally 400 hours preparing, rehearsing, and crafting his 20-minute TEDx talk.
1: It doesn't surprise me at all. I wish I had had more time. I really do.
0: Wow. So clearly, in order to be accepted as a TEDx speaker, you didn't have to have a book, but you saw that as an opportunity to then build on your experience and then create a book.
1: Correct. So from that, the story that we extracted gave me the opportunity to share those tips and take my idea worth sharing, which is the TEDx platform, and put that into 52 ideas, one for every week, And ironically, part of my story is about playing football, and my football number was 52. So that was a neat tie-in. And just funny, interesting thing that I think that your listeners would would find um, very curious is it wasn't until I actually held the proof copy in my hand that I realized the 52 tips matches my number. So Mm -hmm. it was near the very end. So it was not by design. It wasn't planned that way, but um, it, it just ended up being a really, really neat coincidence.
0: Interesting. <laughs> it's it's funny how you put things together in your brain and all of a sudden that connection occurs and you realize the, the synergy between your football number and the title of your book. Correct. I know that a couple of years ago at the National Speakers Association, there was a conference session on writing 52 tips books. Did you write your book after attending that session or before?
1: I don't recall that. So I didn't, I probably didn't attend that one. Uh Um, So it it was really, it was a fellow speaker. I was sitting, we were uh, co-presenting co-keynoters at a conference and I said, how did you write your book? I think she's got several books out. And she said, Jan, just write a tips book. What do you know about? And at that time it was sales. And she said, could you write just a tips book on little tips of sales? And I said, absolutely. She just said, get that out, get that out first. So I thought, you know what? I can put a process in place to get that done because, and I, and I, I would think that I'm not unlike many of your listeners in that the thought of writing a book and so many pages and so many words seemed like such a massive effort that for me to actually just do bite-sized chunks that I knew that I could do. So for me, that was the right path to enter into writing for business.
0: Did you organize these tips in any way into categories or did they start from simple to complex or, or, you know, was there any framework in the book?
1: I'm probably not as advanced as that, <laughs> but I, I can share the way that I wrote them, and which might be a little bit unique, but I hope that this encourages folks out there who are thinking about doing this or have done this as it may be a unique idea. I actually wrote mine in the pool at the local spa, so for nice. me. I decided that to do this, I needed dedicated time. So I've heard other people recommend, you know, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, take a three hour time on the weekend and just write for me. I needed to get away. I needed to get out of the house, get out of the office. So my plan, I retreated to, I had two days booked at a local. It was basically like a day spa that had a nice pool. And I literally took my laptop there. Um, I Planned my day on the treadmill in the workout room that morning. I had gone ahead and written, writ, excuse me, read a few things that I had been written about how to start writing a book and how not to get distracted. And so I literally sat in the pool with my laptop on a towel and just typed. And anytime that, oh, I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning came in my head, I had a, a parking lot for that and I would put that thought there. And a way that in the process, oh, this is another great idea. I had a way to code that so that I could just really let it flow. And so I had the majority of the tips out of me, not edited, and not in any order in two days. And so Mm. for having the guts there, then I took a retreat. My husband works out of town. So I went up to him because there would be no laundry to fold and things to distract me. And I just began to whittle things down. So... For me, the order is relatively random, um, and, and to be just quite frank, and I hope that, again, this is encouraging. I'm a simple person, so hope this is encouraging to your listeners. A lot of it be, turned out to be the way that the pages flowed in the book. So if a tip is two pages or three pages or one page, we alternated that. Some have graphics, some don't. Some had little um, side note boxes of definitions with football terms or a pro tip that gives a little added information on that particular tip. So we really just laid it out based on what would look visually appealing and mm-hmm. flow well for the reader from my limited perspective. So again, just letting folks know you don't have to be the master of, of knowing all of that, that you can still get it out, at least for, and then you bring in the pros to give you feedback.
0: You talk about a a process that it sounds like was accomplished very rapidly. I think about people who get stalled, who have books trapped inside them for years, and they say, oh, how can I possibly write a book? It's going to take me two years to complete. And you're talking about something, at least in terms of the raw output, took place in two days.
1: True. And I, as I was sharing that with some friends, they said, don't tell anyone you wrote your book in two days. And I said, I know other people that do that. They take a weekend, they go to a mountain cabin and, and they mm-hmm. commune with nature and get it out of them. So I felt like it was a valid way for me. I just had to let it flow. I had that dedicated time. My mind was in the right place and I was ready. I knew what these two days were about. And that's what I focused on. And again, I put myself in, in a in a physical place that was comforting to me that I knew that I could produce. So you ask about my time frame and maybe why that was so quick. My story, Pat, is that in January of that year, I was looking at my speaking schedule and it was a little thin, meaning I wasn't going to this place and flying here and there. I had a couple of weeks here in gaps. And so I thought, you know what, this is the year I'm going to write the book. And this was after uh, obviously my TEDx talk had come about. So that was the next logical step for me. And so in January, I was booked for a speaking engagement in August. And they said, would you like to sell your books there? And would you like to do a book signing? And schedule, let that be a part of the schedule at the bookstore. And I said, Absolutely, I'll have a book by then. Sign me up. Well, it wasn't until I believe it was June that I got the email asking if I was going to be bringing my books with me to the bookstore or if I was going to have them shipped in advance. And that was one of those, you know, home alone moments where you're like, Oh, yeah, I was supposed to write a book this year. That's right. And so at that moment, I thought, oh my goodness, I've got, you know, two paths I can take here. I can just say, didn't write it, back burner, not going to do it. Or I can say, you know what, I've got a deadline, find out if it's doable and let's go for it. And I did the latter. I contacted an editor through a recommendation from a friend and said, is this doable? And self-publishing, It was doable, and she kind of told me that here's the steps, and here's how quickly you're going to have to work. And I missed the deadline by two weeks, but I finally I had a book in my hand when it was over with. So Mm -hmm. um, I was thrilled to be able to. To me, that time pressure was what I needed, and I was blessed to be able to focus intensely and focus the time to get it done. And for me, I work better under that type of pressure so that was it was kind of it was a necessity to get it done so that's that's where that's how it happened for me
0: and then you went to the event now did you sell these in the back of the room or were they sold to attendees at the event as part of your speaking contract or some other model
1: it was for me it was offering the, it was more back of room sales, but I also, I did have that book table. I had a CD out at the time on a different subject. So I had the table there. I had my CDs for people that wanted to purchase that. And then I had where they could order, they could pre order the book. So, because I was again, I, w- I was two weeks behind on having sure. it in hand to be able to sell, but at least it was there. I had a title, I could offer that to them in advance. So, um, that was my model. And so, it was more people knowing me, coming up to me at the bookstore, um, people that had seen me in the actual workshop that take the most interest, of course.
0: Did you take in some
1: orders while you were sitting at the table for the book? I did a few, not a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not set the world on fire, Pat, but that's okay. The, the the win was it gave me that deadline to get it done, and it pushed me to get it done. Otherwise, we might be sitting here talking about the book that I want to. I might Absolutely. be listening to the podcast going, gee, I need to write a book for my business that's reasons. Right. So <laughs> that's right.
0: No, I have... I have sh- I spent quite a bit of time sitting behind tables in exhibit areas, selling books to nurses who worked in the profession that I was, that I built a business in for 28 years, which is legal nurse consulting. And I always realized that it was easier for me to sell a book if I had it physically there. People, People could pick it up and hold it and look at the table of contents. It seemed like it was more of a struggle to sell something that they couldn't put in their hands at that moment. So that's why I was curious. Um, I got invited several years ago to teach at an association for ambulatory care nurses about risk issues for nurses who work in clinics and outpatient areas. And I thought, well, this would be a good opportunity to put together a book. And I whipped up myself into the the creative part necessary to sell that book. And I did have it at that conference. And what I remember most is that they paid me the princely sum of $500 for teaching for two hours, but I made $900 sitting in the hallway selling my book.
1: Fantastic. What a great story. I love it.
0: <laughs> so there's nothing like a deadline to, to force you to push yourself through that process now that you've got those 52 tips are you repurposing that content in any way
1: i am so from the book the fifth each one of the 52 tips i have now turned into a weekly video tip Mm. So I took each one and we started, we filmed, we and my small team, but we filmed at the end of the year so that it would start January one and it matches the book so that people, and even if they don't have the book, that's fine. It's a one minute tip because I wanted to be just very short and sweet. Um, I'm not explaining complicated concepts here. I'm just saying this week, uh, to encourage your team, it's, it's um, you know, have an energy day, find out what their favorite energy drink is or their favorite coffee, take that to them when you know that they're working through a tough time and just give them that little boost. So these are very, very simple things that that mid level manager, which is the target of my book, can implement very easily, very quickly, doesn't need to have a lot of um, theory or psychology behind why it works. It's just do it, just love on your people. Just take simple steps to build that encouragement. There are some obviously that are are a little more involved that are a little bit deeper in bringing people up through the team uh, as an employee and engaging them and building that retention and that loyalty. But it's that one minute tip. So I've been able to take that and have people sign up. So that's a way that I stay connected with people. And so it goes through the whole year, obviously, Mm -hmm. one for each week. And then from that, we actually took the tip, which is, again, in the book is really short and sweet and fleshed out a few more ideas. So maybe some more fun facts, some interesting things, give them a little more um, in-depth knowledge on a blog. So now they have that resource. If they want to go deeper, they can go to the blog and get more information there. So, um, yeah, that's the way that I've, I've built it and been able to hit people from different angles.
0: Mm-hmm. In that one-minute video tip, are you condensing information from that tip in the book, or is it the length of the content in the book is the same as the length of the content in the video?
1: So, Pat... I give a very short version because it's one minute that actually goes very quickly. So I basically say, hi, it's Jan, your chief encouragement officer. Here's tip number. And then whatever week that happens to be, I share very quickly. Here's what you do. Here's a couple of ways to do it. Here's the impact that it's going to have on your team very briefly and share. There's usually some call to action. So I'll ask them to share photos of their team or even a video or to go to the blog and get more tips. And so get more ideas that flesh out that tip. So there's some sort of little call to action. And then at the end, I just remind them that it's their turn to cheer on their team and that's it. So it's a much more condensed version than what's in the book, Mm -hmm. but they get the message short and sweet.
0: Are you putting those video tips on a YouTube channel or on your blog or sharing them in some other way?
1: So we, on Monday, that tip rolls out to my social media channels, just mm-hmm. saying, here's the tip for the week. Um, and that's typically how we do it. It, it's, it comes out Monday morning, it goes on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, are my three primary social media channels. It's obviously up on my YouTube channel. And then everyone who has subscribed gets that email to them, it's sitting in their inbox. So it starts off their week with something positive. And um, I've had to pivot a little bit and change up some of the tips because some of the tips don't apply with everyone working from home. Mm -hmm. So that has added some extra filming or at least adjusting even if the tip applies. We are having to go back and edit the copy just to say, hey, here's a way that you can do this in a virtual environment. But to continue engaging your team, it's more important now than ever, especially with everyone not being, um, working face to face quite as much as we were before.
0: Walk us through the process of how you create the video. Are you outside, are you inside, are you using a, teleprompter are you using bullet points you know what does that look like
1: okay so for me i took a small mini course on setting up your home studio and so you can't see it here but i've got a couple of light fixtures that i have i have a teleprompter that i use from time to time so i also have a backdrop that i'm not using today but we basically and this is recommended is to knock out several hours And film, some people will say a month at a time, Um, depending on the length of the video, that can make a difference. For me, we knock out a quarter at a time. So my assistant joins me, we set up an actual video camera on a tripod, we get everything positioned and get the lighting right, Um, do some sound checks. I use props for each one of my tips each week. So Hmm. we've got those props prepared and in order. Um, I have a wardrobe. So we change up the shirts (laughs) for each week and we have that order and we change up the call to action. So we've got all of that basically templated out so that we know, okay, this is tip 21, We need the dark blue jersey is what I wear. And the call to action is to watch the TEDx video this week. And so with those things, I typically either know what the tip is or I use my book just to refresh my memory on what it is because I've got some catchy names that don't necessarily communicate what the actual tip is. Mm -hmm. I pretty much know what I'm going to say and then I just roll with it. Um, The more that you do it, the more comfortable it is with a one minute. I don't feel like I need to teleprompt that and script that. Um, Usually I'll hit it right on the head. I'm pretty good with one take just after practice. Sometimes I'll mess something up or I'll completely leave out a call to action or something really important that I wanted to say and we'll do a retake or two. But it takes us now probably, assuming that the um, layout is set up, within three hours we can do a quarter's worth of weekly tips. So that's 12 to 13 tips in a few hours. Mm. 12 to
0: 13 in a few hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive.
1: They're one minute long, but we've got everything ready. So Mm -hmm. we have the props. We have, again, the wardrobes out so that we're, we, we have that. If we had to sit there and think, Oh, what can we use for this? It would take a lot longer. So I think Mm -hmm. some of that preparing for that filming time and then just knocking it out, um, so I would encourage anyone that's thinking about taking pieces of their book and, and using that for a vlog to have some thought to that, have that preparation beforehand. We'll make it go faster. And as with everything, just practice. It gets smoother every time. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. What I like about your system is that it, it's very organized. It's controlled. You've thought through the variation. You've thought through changing the clothes having the props, the lighting. I've been doing brief videos outdoors where quite honestly, Jan, there are not as many things under your control. I had a guy walk up to me when I was in the Inner Harbor in Baltimore while I was filming and saying to me, are you with CNN? And I thought, do I look like I'm with CNN? I had, then there were some Japanese tourists who were staring at me and giggling and laughing and I could see them over my shoulder. I had a cow come up behind me (laughs) on the Rocky Mountains and stand there and listen to my tip as I was talking. And and I turned around and like, where did this thing come from? A helicopter who flew through the sky in Baltimore right when I was in the middle of my recording recording. It's pretty amazing, Uh, but if you're in your own home, you only have to control your doorbell, the microwave, the other person that you live with—if you have somebody, your telephone,
1: pets, children, if that's the case, (laughs) (laughs) right—the cell phone, and and the lawn guy. (laughs) So I've
0: done yes, the lawn guy is a problem.
1: I've been in a situation where um, I was in the middle of a live virtual program. And all of a sudden here comes the blower and all of that. And so I'm, I'm texting down below. Can you hear all of that? Because my only solution was to stop, run out the door and say, stop. So now Mm -hmm. I know to let them know. I said, Hey, from two to three, I'm on the air close to those windows. Don't come and cut the lawn then. So uh, I have to your point, Pat, I think variety is nice. So some of those 12 or 13, I will pick out, maybe two, maybe three that are a little bit different and film them in another area. So Mm -hmm. due to one of them, for example, one of my tips is to have people bring their pets to work. And so I wanted to show, I don't personally don't have that. I will have a fish now, but I didn't at the time. And so I wanted to, film pets. And so that was something that I was able to edit together. That wasn't just me talking. Mm -hmm. Um, I do one about that has elevators. And so that was a fun one. So I literally got in the elevator and, you know, pressed the button and had to film, you know, I've got a minute to get to the top and some people came in just as I was finishing the (laughs) video. So, you know, ding and the doors open. So again, uncontrollables, but adding that variety outside with different backdrops I think is great. So, Mm -hmm again, and it makes it more fun for me to have a little bit of variety.
0: It does, as long as you can control the distractions. I I just thought about the fisherman on the beach in Fort Lauderdale who was busy casting into the surf while I was doing my tip, but I figured out because I bring the videos into Camtasia and have learned how to do some simple editing, I could put pictures to cover where his figure showed in the video so that they didn't see him necessarily walking along the beach. But at that strategic moment, I was inserting either a picture or some footage to cover up that particular aspect of what was showing. I did have a word with my husband who was walking into the lanai to put in some gloves that he had just washed right in the middle of me taping next to the lanai and then he glanced up and he saw me and he had this little um, guilty expression on his face (laughs) so i had to find something to cover him up so you didn't see him walk onto the lanai and put down the gloves and look at me and walk back but that's the beauty of editing is being able to manage some of those things
1: and it's it's fairly simple once you once you learn some of those basic tools that you need you don't have to produce a Hollywood movie. You just have to have some of those basic skills and people appreciate that. And I feel like this word might be overused sometimes, Pat, but the authenticity of just, I'm in the moment and whoop, here comes my dog, you know, or there's a fisherman behind me. So being Mm -hmm. real um, depends on the audience, depends on the situation, but Sometimes those things happen, but as long as it's not a huge distraction to the viewer to the point where they can't focus on what you're saying, right. um, Exactly. It, it can be, it's just authentic. It's just real life. And the more that we've gotten comfortable with YouTube and um, Vimeo and other resources of of homemade videos out there, people are used to that. So they don't expect, um, you know, production quality TV -hmm. TV newscast um, all of the time. So I think people are a little more forgiving. And I just say that to encourage your listeners that are thinking about doing that, doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be real and has to be valuable.
0: You're right. Our standards have certainly changed as well with more people working at home, more people getting used to Zoom, more people getting used to seeing people with babies and cats and dogs and little kids. The news anchors who are interrupted by their toddlers, for example, has changed our perspective on Mm -hmm. that high production value program that we used to see that was in the station and all those distractions were controlled, but now everything is different.
1: That's definitely one way to put it, (laughs) different for sure. Do you plan on writing another book in the future? I do, and I have some of the same people that nudged me and asked me when I was going to get this one produced, asking me for the next one. So um, one interesting thing, Pat, I had planned this to be a series. So um, this one is 52 tips to increase employee retention, engagement, and loyalty. So my next, I had planned, uh, we'll see what, what what comes out next, but I had planned to do um, 52 tips even for the family or for parents, for partners, so that it can be how to really encourage and uh, my concept is cheerleadership, so how to be a cheerleader for your significant other, for your children, um, and then other, you know, there's lots of different ways that I can go down that path, so that was one of those aha moments that I had while standing in that pool writing that I had not thought of before. I went to write one tips book, and I thought, oh my goodness, this can actually be a series,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: um, the next one, the next book that I plan to write is on my my real area of expertise, which is sales and cold call prospecting. So that's the book that I feel like where I'm at in my career is the next best use of my energy and my time. So it may be a tips book where I do 52 tips for the, uh, for the salesperson. It may be that bigger book. So it's a little scary even for me, but at least I've been through it. I know it can be done. I know that there are resources out there. So um, doing the bigger book and putting my sales call uh, prospecting process into one book is really what's on the radar for me now so and hoping to have I just looked at my looked at my calendar and I have um, I think it was July I have at the top of my calendar right book so it's, oh. it's on the calendar so oh, yeah. okay
0: that's coming up then it's a reminder to you to to take action and to get that process started
1: yes exactly
0: Well, what I have taken away from this, Jan, I'd like to summarize my impressions at the end of the podcast. And I I love the idea of sitting in the spa and typing and generating content while part of you is luxuriating in the water and the warmth, and the other part of you is flowing with ideas that you captured in a unique way. You've shared with us the fact that this doesn't have to be an arduous process that takes months to complete. Once you've got that content, and it, and it sounds like you were doing a brain dump, if I can use that rather crude expression of what are all the things that I know that relate to the, that employee engagement process that is important to be able to share in a book. And you laid it out based on how it would physically fit within the book to make sure that the spaces weren't wasted and that it would flow logically and then beautifully repurpose the content with these short one minute videos. Many people are intimidated by creating videos, including the way that I felt about it when I first started forcing myself to do it. But by repurposing that content, there's no question that you would have any difficulty figuring out what you wanna say by drawing on the book, but also changing the content based on what's been going on in the world, how we have shifted as a result of the pandemic, how does that bring sales into a different perspective? So you didn't say, all right, well, I'm gonna create my videos based on the world that we used to have, but based on the world that we've got right now. And you also shared how you've been multi Tasking, multi-scheduling. In other words, doing the filming in blocks of time so that you're not taking down your set, filming two videos, then putting your set back up. I don't think I said that in the right order. Setting, putting your set up, doing the filming, taking your set down, but you're taking a, a chunk of a couple of hours, two or three hours, and knocking off Very impressive number of videos, of 12 or 13 videos at one time. Uh, I usually do four, and it takes me about half an hour maybe. And then the lighting outside is beginning to change, or somebody's decided they want to cut the grass across the way. Um, But as you pointed out, if you're doing it inside, you've got much better control over things like distractions and lighting, so that you don't have to worry quite so much. About interruptions, always that lawn guy that will appear at unpredictable times. That lawn guy has come in when I've been doing webinars, doing podcasts, um, interviews. It's it's amazing. There's almost an unerring instinct. Oh, Pat is doing something (laughs) that requires quiet. This is the time to trim the bushes under the window. Why? Why? There's so many <laughs> hours in the week that I don't have anything going on. But, but for whatever reason, maybe that's the long guy karma that we all have to live with. And you've also shared with us that this process has encouraged you. You got it done in a hurry in order to meet a deadline. And you got that first book done, which is the zero to one phenomena to go from no books to the first one. It's a much shorter gap to go from number one to number two and number two to number three. You begin that process and it becomes easier and easier and easier every time.
1: That is good news to hear. And I love the way you, um, the ideas were flowing as I was in the water. Beautiful, beautiful (laughs) choice of words there, Pat. Thank you.
0: Well, the water was flowing and the ideas were flowing. So it's all good. It's all in synergy. Love it. How can our listeners find out more about you and the services that you offer?
1: The easiest way is to go to janspence.com, and that's J-A-N-S-P-E-N-C-E.com. There they can connect with me on social media. They can subscribe to that one-minute tip if they want to hear what that's like and encourage them in their own video tip each week. The blog is there. So uh, they could purchase the book there as well as Amazon. So that would be the best way. If they wanted just one-on-one time or believe that I might be a fit for a speaking engagement, why not, just you can reach me there. There's a form, there's my phone number, email, everything you need is right there at janspence.com. That's the best place to go to.
0: Perfect, perfect. And I assume that you do virtual presentations as well as live presentations
1: you do not have a choice these days. I do. I love live. I'm ready. I'm ready to get back on a plane, Pat. But yes, I've got the studio set up so I can do virtual and make it as lively and interactive as possible. So yes, I've entered in that, that, that space even more than I was before.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Jan, for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you to you who is listening to this podcast on our audio channels or watching it on YouTube. We are delighted that you have spent your half hour with us getting tips from Jan, who has shared with us how easy it can be once you've got that content to take that knowledge that you have that's rolling around in your head and in your heart and turn it into a book that goes into somebody else's hands. Thank you for being part of the show. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat
1: Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is w r i t i n g t o g e t b u s i n e s s.com. Coaches, consultants and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they
0: can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources
1: on writingtogetbusiness.com.